Hello everyone from beautiful Merced located in the Central Valley of California. Thanks for being with me on this journey. With our philosophical understanding of I teach people the Bible, we follow three key steps in our preparation phase. Step one, find the big idea. Step two, answer a critical question of the text, so what? Step three, write one specific action item for an individual to apply this text to their life as a bonus. Write one specific action step or a vision casting moment that the entire congregation can have to apply this to the life of the congregation. That's what we've covered in parts one, two, and three of how to not be a boring preacher. And when uh, you're done with preparation, just prior to moving on to presentation, where we are today, ask yourself, will my listeners know what to do with this when I am done? And now part four of how to not be a boring preacher. And I have to give myself a gigantic caveat here, okay? If you're just joining us here on part four, welcome, glad you're here, but you might want to give parts one, two, and three a listen because part four is based on everything we've talked about and applied in parts one, two, and three, okay? So part four may come across, well, strange. Can I just say it that way? Strange if you've not kind of gotten where I've come from. None of us want to be soundbited, you know what I mean, where people just pick up part of what you're saying and they ignore context. My disclaimer is this, part four and part five, by the way, is couched in the context of parts one, two, and three. Okay, that disclaimer said, let's move on. In part one, I reminded you what Aristotle said. There are only two ways to present an idea, deductively and inductively. A deductive approach presents the idea and then gives you points to prove it. That's the way most of us have been taught. I'm going to talk to you today about XYZ. Point one about XYZ. Point two about XYZ. Point three about XYZ. Throw in a nice pithy poem and you've got a stereotypical three points in a poem sermon that is delivered in most pulpits across the United States and dare I say the world. That's a deductive approach. An inductive approach proves, 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 and then gives the idea as near to the end as possible. Presenting an idea inductively means I'm trying to help you believe it. But it's more than just helping you believe it the way a deductive approach would. Because in a deductive approach, let's be honest, you're trying to get them to agree with you as well. I'm just going to make the point to say it doesn't work as well doing it deductively if you're trying to get them to believe it. See, what happens is in an inductive approach, I'm showing you the consequences and implications of the idea, but I'm not coming right out and stating the idea at the front. I'm not stating it and proving it. I'm proving it, getting you to believe it, and then stating it. Now, to save you the trouble of rewinding, I'm going to say that again. I'm not stating the idea up front and then trying to prove it. I'm proving it, getting you to believe it, and then I'm stating it succinctly. And therein is one of the keys to not being boring. Persuasion. The difference between good preaching and great preaching is persuasion. 
Now, there are some keys to persuasive speaking. Now, again, I have couched all of this in the context of parts one, two, and three. The Holy Spirit does an amazing work in people's lives, and we are blessed by God to be part of that. But I would rather work in concert with how God made us than try to work in spite of that only because that's what I was taught to do instead of actually working uh, the process how God made us, okay? Now, I've said all that in parts one, two, and three, but before I get into this list, I want to make sure we remember that. So here are some keys to persuasive speaking. First key, assume a hostile audience. Assume a hostile audience. This doesn't mean they're about to run the stage and club you for what you're going to say. They might. I hope not, but they might. No, it, it, means, it means they do not agree with you. Assume your audience does not agree with you. You're going to persuade them a lot differently if you already assume they do not agree versus if you do. Okay, so first, assume a hostile audience. Step number two, tell a story. That's the second key to persuasive speaking. Tell a story. Professional speech writers will often say, Speech writing is about slinging sound bites together. <laughs> Each message, or speech for that matter, has its own story, its own narrative arc. Find it, write it, and then ride it. Okay? Tell a story. Third key to persuasive speaking, structure matters. Structure matters. We've talked about this before, but structure is like a skeleton. You have to have one, but if you can see it, then something's wrong. That's, by the way, my biggest critique of deductive uh, preaching and teaching, is the structure, the skeleton, is stated up front. The structure is seen all the time. The structure becomes more important than the subject it's trying to convey. And say, so, uh, we shouldn't be a slave to our structure, but the structure does matter. We must have a skeleton to what we're saying, otherwise it's going to be out of focus and all over the place. All right, fourth key, be authentic. Be authentic. You got to be you, but it is public speaking you. All right, but it's still you. God made you a certain way. He shaped you through your circumstances and your life. Why would you put that aside when it's one of the greatest strengths you've got, when it's one of the most powerful tools you can bring to the equation, when it's something God is working in you and through you? Be authentic. Key number five to persuasive speaking, less is more. Boy, I could sit on this one for a long time. This is one I have to struggle with too. The KISS method still applies to sermons, okay? Keep it simple, stupid. Or we could even add it, keep it short, stupid. Listen, droning on and on doesn't prove your point. It reveals you don't have one. All right? Have you ever heard the expression, he doth protest too much? It applies to sermons too. Let it stand on the text. Less is more. Say it. Stand by it and sit down. Okay? Less is more. Now, key number six to persuasive speaking is one you've already heard, and that's so what? So what? You got to wrestle through what's in it for them. 
you got to wrestle through that. This is application, certainly. But if you don't do it and you don't think about it, it's just not going to happen. And you're going to lose the people listening to you because you're never going to answer the question they're asking, which is, what do I do with this? So what? What's in it for me? Why are you telling me this? Okay. And finally, number seven, key number seven to persuasive speaking, create and hold on to the tension, create and hold on to the tension. This is bigger than we realize. When I, when I realized this, when I was taught this and uh, by my mentors as they coached me in my preaching and teaching, it, it, it radically revolutionized how I taught. I'm not, y'all, I'm not exaggerating. It changed almost everything overnight. Literally one Sunday to the next, it changed what I did. Tension is the secret sauce of preaching in a way that is engaging and effective. And if you are listening to this, then you are interested in that. You are interested in actually being engaging and effective. Notice I have an and between these words. We're not talking about just being engaging. We're not talking about just being effective. We're talking about both. Once you release the tension, you are on a very short clock, maybe maybe just six or seven minutes before they are checking out. This is why, by the way, if you don't want to be boring, you'll never open with telling them what you're going to say during the message. These previews remove all the tension, and once you remove the tension, you might as well send them home because they're doing grocery lists and thinking about lunch. Next time, I'm going to tell you two presentation outlines, if you will, that based upon feedback are not only not boring, but they keep true to all the principles we've talked about. This is the living, active Word of God that's sharper than a double-edged sword. What a thrill to teach people the Word that will change their lives. Thanks again for joining me on a journey to not be a boring preacher or teacher and help people take another step towards Jesus. What a thrill to live life with Jesus. Until next time, preach the Word like it will change the lives of your listeners because it does.